welcome to episode 12 of Live from Vader's Castle. Uh, I'm John Lee and I'm obviously joined by my co-host Dan McCrory. Hello there. <laughs> How are you, Dan? I'm good. I'm good. This is a this is a strange episode, this one, because we're uh we're pre-recording this, so it's not a bad batch episode. Um we will on the episode next week we'll be covering two episodes of Bad Batch because I'm going on my holidays. So we're uh, pre-recording this before I go away. <laughs> if if anyone needs any explanation. <laughs> yeah, in case anyone was wondering. In case anyone was wondering. Uh, <laughs> I'm going going down to Ingerland to see some pals, John being one of them. Yeah, so, uh, coming down south. The Vader's Castle boys. <laughs> we'll <laughs> be hanging out. <laughs> So yeah, today we thought uh, instead of doing the bad batch because we can't do it because it hasn't come out yet, we're gonna we're doing a, a special episode dedicated to everyone's favourite Dark Lord of the Sith, Darth Vader, and uh, we're calling this episode Vader's Greatest Hits. Are you excited for this, John? I am. I was surprised how many he has because obviously. The films are only, he's not in many of the films overall because obviously, nah, that's not, I mean, how many there are now, like 12? He's only in like a three or four, well, four. So the greatest hits are definitely, they feature some across all multimedias, which was very yeah. surprising to me. Yeah. Um, he has, he has great it. moments in everything he appears in, from the comics to the books to the video games to the films to the TV shows. So we've got it all covered. Um, We've probably missed a lot of moments, whether they're because we've forgotten about them or because they're from books or comics that we might not have read yet. So uh, if you do have any more that we've missed, please let us know when we get to the end of the episode. Send us a send us a message on, on the Instagram or the Twitter and say, oh, you forgot this epic moment. Because if we haven't seen it or read it, then uh, it will be good for us to know about it. Yes, please. I mean, I feel like we've got quite a lot covered but yeah, it's such a long list. There's definitely some we've missed off. It is it is a big list? I mean, we've uh, we've sort of split the list between each other, um, and then we're going to we'll introduce each of the, the moments, and then we'll discuss it. Um, or we will for this one before we say the moment. We just sort of give you a spoiler warning for what thing it spoils, because obviously there will be some people who have only watched the films and won't mind us talking about the films, but might. Uh, might not be happy about us spoiling, I don't know, a comic that they're like looking forward to read or something like that. So we will sort of specify what, what we're about to spoil when we talk about it. But uh, yeah, we're basically just going to go through and talk about those moments of Darth Vader that, you know, makes your jaw drop or your, the bl- your blood boil or <laughs> makes you hide behind your sofa because he is arguably the, the greatest pop culture villain of all time, personally, in my opinion. I don't think any other villain in any fictional story comes close. I don't know what John thinks, but uh, he's had a lot of great moments. Yeah, I'm looking forward to discussing these, actually. I think there's going to be going to be very interesting to really actually discuss some of these moments and um, instead of just sitting at home reading on them or watching them. To actually get to talk about it would be quite exciting. Yeah, exactly. So should we, uh, should we start off with the comics? Because... Um, a comics probably maybe known the least of our listeners, perhaps. Um, obviously, these moments aren't as well-known or iconic as some of the moments in the films, but 
I think we both could argue that a lot of these moments are sort of just as impressive or great. So um, the comics is where we'll start. Yeah, I think I think I'm going to start. I've got quite a few comic ones, but I think I'm going to start with my actual personal favourite and the one that uh, comes to mind when I'm sitting there, you know, bored late at night or thinking. Just this is such a, a moment that stands out in my uh, in my mind when I think about Star Wars comics and Darth Vader as a character. Um, and as Dan said, this is for the spoiler warning. This is from uh, Vader Down issue. It's a one shot issue, but it ties in with the Star Wars run at the time. So uh, avoid all of that if you uh, if you don't want to get spoiled. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, Vader Down issue one. And uh, to uh, give you a brief introduction about this uh, this badass moment, uh, Vader is called in or summoned to like fight off against a bunch of rebel. Alliances, uh, ships, basically above a planet, takes out God knows how many of them before he's eventually um, crash crashes on the planet. He's not shot down, mind you. He uh, he just Luke just crashes into him in a little space collision, um, and he ends up landing on the planet. So I think it's called forgive my pronunciation, Vogros Vas, something like that. Yeah, Vogros Vas, I think is. The... I don't know if we've. Uh, if we've seen it in any other Star Wars multimedia, I believe uh, it's, it's. I believe it's the first appearance. If I'm, yeah, if I'm correct, but I feel it's, like a name like that would stand out. I think it it's home to an old Jedi temple. I believe. Yes, I think that's what the 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 tie-in is. I think there's a quite a few characters that are trying to find something at this temple. Obviously, Luke being one of them, and Invader being another. Um, but basically, yeah, he crash lands on this planet, and um, basically the rebels try and seize their opportunity and they're like all right there's god knows how many of us i want to say at least 40 50 maybe even more versus one man darth vader you know they have ships they've got loads of them they've got heavy artillery and they're like right finally we're gonna take this man out yeah i'm, I'm um, looking at the uh, i'm looking at the splash page right now i definitely think there's at least 100 rebels i'm gonna say that's my estimate oh we've, we've up the ante here as well at least 100 uh so i think I think the Vader Down comic ends with the panels of its um the the rebels are basically shouting at Vader like all right stand down you're surrounded yeah and they say yeah uh, they say Darth Vader lay down your weapons you are surrounded yeah which is then followed by the most iconic and just absolute badass line I think I've heard of any villain let alone Darth Darth Vader which is um. His line is, all I'm surrounded by is fear and dead men as he ignites his lightsaber and then proceeds to massacre them all. Um, That then follows in the Star Wars comic. Yeah, it it goes into him like making all of their thermal detonators that they're carrying ignite and they they all just blow up, (laughs) basically is what happens. (laughs) Oh, it's just, there's some days I just can't get that line out of my head. It's just, oh, unbelievable. Like the the yeah. pure confidence. And then to be a rebel soldier at that time as well, you, the confidence is high. You'd be like, right, we've got him. And to hear him say that, you'd just be like, surely this man's bonkers. Yeah. I think what's what I really love about this moment so much is like, is 
I've, I mean, I've, I've got the graphic novel out in front of me, so I'm literally just looking at it right now. But this, the splash page, which this is on, you've just got this massive view of like all these rebels surrounding Vader, guns pointed at him. He's he's standing there like a lone black figure, his cloak like blowing in the wind, looking badass. And you know they're just like, oh, you're surrounded. And then obviously he comes out of his incredible line, "All I'm surrounded by is fear and dead men." And it's just, it's just one of those moments. It just goes to show that Vader knows. No one can have him. He knows that even a hundred rebels doesn't matter. He'll take all of them on. He's too much of a beast. And obviously, when you go into the next issue, you see how he takes them all on, which is just pure power of the force. Um, but yeah, it is that cliffhanger ending and that incredible line on that splash page that is definitely seared in both of our memories. Mm. I think as well earlier when I was, I give it a quick Google just to remind myself of some of the details. Um, I'm pretty sure it said on one article I was reading that he obviously killed the hundred uh, rebels that were surrounding him at the time, and then he just kind of waited around for reinforcements. There was no, there was no sense of urgency about him. He was like, "All right, you're going to call in more, call in more." Like you know, my bloodlust is I've not finished yet. You know, I crashed my ship. I'm pissed off. Send more men my way. So I think just absolutely goes to show the sheer dominance of the man, and that is, I think. That is probably why, as I said, when I was introducing it, that is one of my favourite Vader moments on any sort of multimedia. And I'd, yeah. I'd love to see it in some sort of animation or like live action thing. Just yeah. yeah, there's some of these moments I'd love to see an adaptation of on the screen. Yeah, just just to hear James L. Jones oh. muscle, muscle yeah. that line. Would yeah. be, oh, oh, that'd be incredible. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's one of those moments, I think a lot of these like greatest moments for Vader... I feel like they they sort of really show his power. And I think obviously the point of Vader is that, you know, he is basically an unbeatable Sith. Um, you know, it, it only, only Luke ultimately could be the one to defeat him. Um, so I think this is just another example of like sort of a bit of wider reading and, you know, seeing in, other parts of canon where he is just so powerful and he literally is a one-man army um and i think that theme is quite common in some of these uh some of these greatest hits that we've got yeah i mean i feel like it's just one of those things when you have like comics or like other multimedia apart from films um it really goes you can go you can explore a lot more and uh, i think they've definitely done that with some of these uh comics that are, i will continue to mention um the next one on here, we're going to stick with comics for now. Is uh, this one's from Vader Dark Visions? So again, if you haven't read that one, um, maybe skip ahead ten minutes um, so that you don't get it spoiled for you. Yeah, I haven't so read it, so I'm about to get it spoiled. But that's fine. We're, <laughs> we're doing it for the content. <laughs> Dark Visions is a it's a five issue miniseries, and but each issue is like its own individual thing. So um, just skip issue one and then feel free to read like two to five if you. Don't want it spoiled for you, but anyway, um, basically this story is Vader um, basically lands on this planet after a space battle <clears throat> to like repair his ship and things. Um, and as he lands on this planet, it turns out that the planet has recently been invaded by this gigantic space monster. I don't think they ever give it a name. I think it's just ever referred to as like a Goliath or something like that. But it's implied that this this um monster is 
basically capable of like plucking ships out of the air as they land. You know, it's like he's basically decimated the local town, um, et cetera, et cetera. So this thing is like a, a huge beast. It's, it kind of looks like um, a mix between <laughs> what I wrote down was it mix, looks between a mix between a shark and like a rhino. It's got like a really triangle, like pointy nose with like loads of teeth. But <laughs> it's, it's quite an like interesting combination. Absolutely <laughs> massive. Like it's probably the same size as like a skyscraper or something, or like Godzilla. Like it's fucking huge. Um, so basically, Vader comes down, sees this creature, um, and decides, you know what? Yeah, I'll take this on. I'm not scared. Um, and finds himself a space horse looking thing, like an alien horse. Who is just like Vader, all black, uh, finds himself a little shield um, and ignites his lightsaber and goes to town and just absolutely destroys this beast um, in an act of, I suppose you would say, self uh, prevalent. No, what's the word I'm looking for? Preservation. So, that's the one, preservation. Um, but it's what was really interesting about this issue is that the, uh, the story is kind of told from like a a person watching on like a little kid watching on so what's really cool is obviously Vader's basically just killed this monster because he doesn't want the monster to eat him and because he just likes killing things and probably at, at that point was like well I'll give it a go I'm powerful enough I can do it but what's really interesting is once he kills this monster and then obviously the Empire come down pick him up and he leaves like the planet worship him like a like a hero like a like a god who's just come down and like save them from this beast uh, not knowing that he's Darth Vader because they're quite like a uh, remote uh, planet. So it's so not only does he just kill and wipe out this absolute beast of a monster, he's then worshipped as like a hero slash god by this uh, race of people when he leaves. <laughs> yeah, I think that, I mean, obviously I haven't got around to reading this one yet, but that does sound pretty epic. And I have seen, obviously, like the, the, the cover of that issue with the image of Vader on the horse. And that has always been something that's been sort of Sid in my memory is a very cool image, um, but it was for some reason I've read every other sing every single other Vader comic apart from this one. So I, I will get around to reading it very soon. But I love that idea that Vader can go to a planet, slaughter a monster, and then the people there then see him as a god. <laughs> I think that's a, a really cool idea. Yeah, I think to be fair, the only reason that he then didn't murder the rest of them was because like the empire was like showed up at that point and was like all right we've got to go so he was like oh, okay like you're, you're safe for now saved by the bell <laughs> yeah kind of i think otherwise the village probably would have got massacred as well just to um <laughs> feed uh vader's rage i suppose yeah that's a, that's a that's a pretty epic moment do you want me to take the next one or uh, have you got anything else to say about that one uh no you go you go i've been so um, the next one I've got, this is from the Darth Vader 2015 uh, series by Kieran Gillen. Uh, this is actually one of my favourite series of comics. I really, really love this. It's set in the same timeline as the Vader down that we just talked about beforehand, uh, after A New Hope, but before Empire Strikes Back. The whole concept of the series is that after the Death Star blowing up, obviously Tarkin's dead, so... Palpatine doesn't really have anyone to pin it on so he just pins it on Vader and blames him for the failure at the, at the Death Star um, so he sort of gets a bit of a demotion basically he loses a lot of his power he gets um, Admiral Targa who's uh, one of the the um, 
Imperials that you see in the room in A New Hope when Vader sort of chokes one of them is sort of put as a superior to him and the whole series is about Vader sort of re-establishing in his position within the Empire and surviving a load of um, Palpatine sort of cruel tests. However, this moment that I particularly love, which is, which is in issue number six, um, deals with Vader discovering that he has a son. So this is a moment which I think is a hugely important moment in canon, which was never seen in the films, how he found out that Luke was his son. Um, but what, what happens is Vader's very suspicious about this young rebel boy who's blown up the Death Star. He sensed the force in him, you know, um, he sensed that he had sort of been Obi-Wan's sort of apprentice for a little bit. So he sends Boba Fett off to try and figure out who he is. And Boba Fett raids old Ben Kenobi's place and finds out that the kid is called Luke Skywalker. So he comes to Vader uh, on, on the, sh- on the air, uh, on the deck of Vader's um, on a Star Destroyer that he's on. I'm just going to get it up in front of me just so I, I, can't, I don't misquote some of this because there's some some epic lines here. Uh, he says, did you bring me anything of value, Bounty Hunter? Not much, just his name, Skywalker. And then you've just got this like shot of Vader like crushing his hands with a force and then you just see the window in front of him just like cracks and then he's like, I have a son and then it just like continues to crack. And then... um. Boba leaves and then like Vader's just staring out through this like window at like this whole fleet and he's like it will be mine it will be mine which is like his son will be his the empire will be his the galaxy will be his um <clears throat> and I just think this is such an epic moment for mo- multiple reasons like emotionally for Vader this is a very important moment because he finds out that the em- the emperor's lied to him that Padme survived long enough to give birth he wasn't actually the one who like physically killed her like the Emperor had said, he finds out that he has a son um, who's been kept away from him for years. Um, so emotionally, it's a huge moment for Vader because he's just angry, just more and more anger, which is obviously what fuels his power as a Sith. But then it's also a, a big moment for just showing who Vader really is. Like his response to this is just like cracking a window with a force and then just like deciding that oh, he's just going to take all of it, the whole galaxy, he wants to overthrow the Emperor, everything's just going to be his one day. And it's that mad, that mad madness with power that we even that we saw all, all the way back with Anakin on Mustafar. Um, so I just think it's such an important moment for Vader. It's such a beautiful moment in terms of the artwork, the dialogue, the, the silence in that scene as well. And even though it's on a page, you, when you're reading it, it feels like it's a scene that you're watching in like a TV show or a film. So I just think it's such an incredible moment. And anytime that I'm like bored, I'll just sort of grab the uh, the graphic novel off the shelf and just flick through to issue six, just so I can see that I have a son moment because it's such an iconic shot, uh, iconic panel. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's that's another suggestion from me. Would you, would, you've, you've read this moment, haven't you, John? Yeah, I have actually. That is actually um, such a great moment. For as you said, it, it's such. It's nice seeing that we finally get a um, in canon like visual, I suppose, of that moment of uh, Vader uh, discovering his uh, Luke as his son. As well as yeah, that's a good point actually about the the whole like Vader thinking about more power and stuff. As that's a great link back to uh, Anakin and Revenge of the Sith. I didn't even think of that when I actually read the issue. So that's some great analysis there. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah, his, mean, his, cool his, his exact line is, he will be mine, it will all be mine. So, you know, it, it's that it's that point of like, you know, because obviously we know an empire that Vader wants him to join him so they can overthrow the emperor. But this is essentially when that decision's made, you know, two years pretty much before Empire Strikes Back. And that's all that sort of continues to fuel Vader and fuel his anger and his rage is this sort of idea of just taking over the galaxy and using his son to his advantage. And it's at this point, it's nothing to do with love. It's all just pure rage and hatred, which is classic Vader. <laughs> hmm. No, that's, that's a great point, actually. Have you got any other comic ones? I've got one more. Yeah, I've got one more as well. Uh, you, you, nice. you go for yours first. They're both. This is both from the same series. Um, actually, no, I'll go for mine first because mine is yeah, before yeah. yours chronologically um so both of these are from charles souls darth vader run from 2017 no surprise me and john talk about charles soul all the time um hoping that eventually he's going to hear us rambling about him so much and he's going to agree to let us interview him because that would be the greatest moment of my life Uh, (laughs) but this is from the first arc of uh, darth vader dark lord of the sith which is um which is the first collection of stories in this in this comic arc. And this is immediately after Revenge of the Sith. The Emperor basically says, like, right, you're a Sith now, you need your own lightsaber. And the only way that Sith gets his lightsaber is by killing a Jedi and stealing their kyber crystal and bleeding it red. So this is basically the story of how Vader gets his red lightsaber. And he finds out that in the wake of Order 66 there's a Jedi still alive who, um, what's the, the term for it? The, he takes the, um, I think it's the, oh, what's it called? Barash vow, something like that. It's essentially yeah, when, right. essentially when a Jedi sort of leaves the order, but goes off on his own to literally just study the force and just be in the force and essentially just meditate nonstop for like the rest of their life. Um, and he finds the location of one of them and the, the former Jedi is called Kirak and Fala. So he hunts him down. He goes to just kill him and get his lightsaber. But it turns out this Don is quite strong. Um, sort of the immediate, as soon as they meet, he immediately just lobs Vader off of a cliff and basically breaks his suit. Um, and you've got to remember, this is just post Revenge of the Sith. So Vader's not used to fighting in this new clunky suit that Palpatine's given him. Palpatine has made this suit so it constantly hurts Vader to fuel his anger and his rage more, make him a more powerful Sith. So you'd understand that his first fight, you know, he's actually probably going to get his ass handed to him because he's not used to fighting in this suit. So going back to that that little uh, that little boy on Tatooine who made C-3PO, he manages to uh, fix his suit back together using some of his engineering tactics. Uh, no, not tactics, it's the wrong words. Techniques, there you go. And uh, he hunts this guy back down and continues to fight him. And this guy's sort of taunting him the whole time until they reach this point on the top of this dam. And he throws a couple of security guards off. And this guy, the Jedi catches them with the force and Vader's like, ah, this, this is this guy's weakness. It's compassion. So what he does is he just breaks the dam to flood this entire city full of innocent civilians and uh, because of that, obviously, the, the Jedi turns to try and save them and Vader just uses that as an opportunity to snap his neck, uh, kill him dead, um, left the city to flood, took his kyber crystal and then bled it. And then that's how Darth Vader got his lightsaber. And I just think this 
like the artwork, the storytelling, everything from this bit of the comic is is incredible. But what that means for Vader is the fact that you know he, he loses his first fight essentially, but then he he figures out his enemy's weakness, which is that they care about innocent civilians. So he uses that to his disadvantage and goes to kill innocent civilians just to beat him. And I think that's a really good way of like understanding Vader as he became Vader right at the beginning, which translates so well into the Vader that we see in the original trilogy and everything. Someone who doesn't care about anyone but himself and but his own gain. And it all sort of stemmed from this quite significant moment when he got his lightsaber. And I think it's just such a thematically important scene. I think Charles so absolutely nails it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that's that's uh, excellent. See, I think it's such an excellent way to kick off the series actually for um for Charles Soul. It was like a you know a big huge fight. You know, Vader loses, and then Vader comes back and just as you said, it's like a real I suppose chronologically like first showing of like his proper just ruthlessness. He's like, right, we'll flood this whole village just to get one lightsaber. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, and it's his first real test, isn't it? After becoming Vader the machine as opposed to the man. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's quite difficult because literally this entire 25 issue series, every single issue could be a, one of Vader's greatest hits because it is one of the most well written and iconic comic series of like the last <laughs> decade, basically. And Charles Sob kills it in every single episode. But this is a moment that really stood out for me when I was reading it of like, damn. <laughs> this Vader guy's hard. <laughs> yeah. It just reminded me actually while you were talking about that. Literally, I think when Vader goes, because he goes off to a little base, doesn't he, to find the records for like Jedi. And there's two clone troopers who are like standing guard. Um, and one of them, obviously, try, they both try and kill Vader when he shows up because they don't know who he is. And one yeah, of them, they, like. They mistaken him for a Jedi because of his yeah. lightsaber. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and one of them tries to uh, blow him up with a grenade, doesn't he? And, and I remember the dialogue between the two clones, like, vividly. And I, one of them's like, oh, like, I, you know, worked with Jedi for so long. He can't um, hold that grenade in because the grenade's, like, actually exploding. But Vader's using the force to, like, hold the explosion in. And the clone's like, oh, he can't, like, put all his concentration into that grenade and then, like, stop us as well. And Vader's just like, yeah, I can, bitch. And just like, <laughs> I think he like just snaps their necks as well. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. it was like, right, you're messing, you're not messing with a normal Jedi here. Yeah, that's another great Darth moment, Vader. isn't it? Yeah. I think that's, it's that's just, like the second issue, isn't it? This series, basically. Yeah. 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 Cause you get, you go to that base to find that Jedi you were just on about. So yeah, that just reminded me of it. And I think the, the whole thing about Vader, particularly this point in his, in his life, is that, Palpatine is essentially just torturing him constantly. Like the, the the whole series opens with just Palpatine just electrocuting the shit out of him. <laughs> mm. Like, you know, the immediate moment in Revenge of the Sith when he's like, no, you just like the, we cut to another scene there, but what actually happens after that is just Palps just like electrocutes him until he sort of begs pr- practically. Um, but Palpatine knows that the only way that he's going to make him the Dark Lord of the Sith, you know, the most powerful Sith Lord, is by torturing him constantly and making him feel so much pain and anger and hatred towards him because that's the only way that he'll become stronger in the dark side. And it's so twisted, but makes so much sense. 
No, it's very good. And uh, that leads on very nicely to my one, which is obviously, as you said, in the same uh, same comic run. Mine's a, a like mine's issue eighteen. It's a bit a little bit further down the down the uh, twenty five issue run. Um, I'm pretty sure it's eighteen. I did Google it earlier. Yeah, definitely eighteen. Um, and basically, this issue is Vader calls a favor for Tarkin. Tarkin owes Vader a favor. Um, so naturally, Vader being Vader, he requests that Tarkin goes. They go to Tarkin's home planet. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Um, and Iriadu, like, by the way, if you are, uh, yeah, if you need your little nerd brain there. Near Iriadu's <laughs> planet. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, so Vader asks him to go there, and he's like, "Well, just hunt me," because um, I think it's in. I can't remember where. I've, I think it might have been in Clone Wars. Basically, Tarkin is. Like his family are like vivid uh, hunters back on, you know, his home planet, and they're raised to be like the toughest of the tough. You know, they got to go out and kill to earn their place in the family, basically, yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, Tarkin's family is messed up. Like, there's scenes where they like set wolves on Tarkin as a kid just so he can survive because they basically their way of living is like only the toughest survive you have to be a predator to survive so if you get killed by wolves as an eight-year-old then tough luck you're just you're not fit to survive so Tarkin's a beast <laughs> yeah it's like the, the opening scene of 300 isn't it and he's like he's fighting the wolf uh probably probably pretty similar to that um but yeah so basically Vader I'm pretty sure Tarkin takes his lightsaber as well. So Vader's lightsaberless on a foreign planet, which obviously Tarkin is very accustomed to being that he's from there. And uh, basically Tarkin has to hunt him down within a certain time frame, um, or Vader wins. Uh and, yeah, and he, has, he has help from a load of other sort of hunters who become cannon fodder. <laughs> yeah, so Tarkin being clever decides to um one of the, the help dancers mentioned there is uh, can't remember the species of the alien, but he's basically a bat. He's got like huge ears that are, you know, very helpful for like listening to Vader's um, breathing device so that Tarkin can always, you know, know if Vader's near. Um, so, what, because, uh, sorry, quick side note, because Vader has already killed the, um, the most apex predator on that planet by the time the issue comes around. Uh, and that is, I think it's called a Valath or something like that. And basically, they can their skin like changes coloring and they can like camouflage and stuff. So, off panel or like off issue, I suppose Vader's already killed one of them and has the cloak or skin of this apex predator. So Tarkin gets his alien friend with big ears to basically listen in and see where Vader to know if Vader's nearby because it's his breathing device. He needs it. It's always on. Like, you know, any scene with Darth Vader in like films, TV shows, that breathing devices, the iconic noise that follows behind. So what does Vader do in this instance? He just, just turns it off. He's like, oh, I don't need to breathe. It's fine. Uh, and it, there's a couple of scenes where Vader, yeah, basically just ambushes them by turning off his breathing device. And I, there's a panel in the comic where I think it's like a, a nice zoom in on like Tarkin's face and just like the shock on his face when he realizes is that Vader's like right next to him basically and he's done it by just basically holding his breath for however long or suffocating himself <laughs> yeah, however long it's taken him it's more than just like holding his breath it's essentially is like suffocating himself half to death yeah um, just to get but he sort of powers through, through just through pure 
dark sideness. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then Vader kills basically all of Tarkin's comrades um, and is about to kill Tarkin or win, I suppose. I don't actually know if he's going to kill him because uh, I think Pal would be a bit annoyed. But basically, he was about to win their little bet. Um, when Tarkin basically leads him into like an area of the planet where Vader just gets struck by lightning. So Tarkin's leading into an area which is like a, a storm hotspot, I suppose, and he's taking a big metal man into the storm hotspot knowing exactly what's going to happen is he's going to get hit by lightning. So Vader gets struck by lightning and Tarkin's gloating, as Tarkin does, and Vader just is lying on the floor and just force chokes him so much that basically, I think the panels and like the descriptions of Tarkin's like in a monologue is basically just like, he's proven his point that even when like he's down and out for the count, like he will do whatever it takes to win. And there's no way you can take him out. Like you have to kill him. Yeah. A man gets struck by lightning wearing a metal electrical (laughs) suit and he's still able to sit and force choke you almost to death. Yeah, he's, he's, he's adapted from all of Palpatine's electrocutions. <laughs> At this yeah, point, he's, he's just used to used it. To it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's such an epic, because it's, it's quite a strange issue, like structurally, and not, and not in a negative way, but that sort of Vader uh, arc of um, series is sort of split into loads of sort of mini arcs. And then this is sort of almost like a one-off between sort of the previous one and then going into like the final six issues, which is to do with Vader's castle. Um, so it sort of sits as a one-off and I was sort of reading it and I was thinking, oh, this is cool, but like, what's the point? And then it like gets to the end and you sort of realise this has all been just in like an elaborate test, like in some twisted way of Vader trying to test himself. Um, and you're like, ah, okay, this guy, he's a badass. <laughs> he can't this guy's be beat. crazy. <laughs> he can't be beat. Um, That's built different. Yeah. So sort of, I guess it fits into the theme really of, of what we've been talking about of these sort of greatest pits for Vader is just just showing how tough and how ridiculously strong with the dark side Vader is and I think it's like in terms of sort of reinforcing who Vader is I think is actually like really sort of quite essential reading and I think almost as difficult as it is to improve the original trilogy because they're already perfect but almost sort of just gives you even more context and value to to vader as a villain and just continues to prove that you know he is the greatest of all time yeah i mean yeah as you said the original trilogy i think the vader in the original trilogy inspired like so much obviously like one of the biggest pop culture villains ever but like just his mere presence and i can imagine sitting in the cinema for the first time watching star wars as it was called then not a new hope star wars like the original one and watching him walk onto screen and just like the I don't know it's just like the dread or fear you can imagine seeing him on that screen and now through all like this other multimedia that I'm sure we'll discuss as we just discussed the comics it's really goes to show that he's earned that um, notoriety that he basically has earned himself by just being a presence on the screen you know he doesn't like, I think some of the most badass moments come away from the original trilogy uh but they are just, he just earns it so well just by doing basically the bare minimum of just standing there and looking frightening. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when we get on to the, the, the greatest hits in the films, a lot of them is sort of just that. It's, it's essentially his presence. And I think that's what in the films works so well is that, you know, 
Vader isn't jumping all over the place and you know spinning through the air and electrocuting everyone all at once. It's his presence alone, and it's like the breathing, and it's the way that he enters scenes and says nothing but says a lot in the films, which makes him so terrifying. But sort of when you get these other stories in the comics and the books and etc., uh, it just reinforces that Darth Vader is Darth Vader, and there's nothing you can do to stop him. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have one last one which is Vader on the page, but this is a this is a novel instead of a comic. Um, this is this is an interesting one. So this is from the book Thrawn Alliances. So this is not a massive spoiler for that book, but if you want to read it at some point, knowing absolutely nothing, there's a little bit of a spoiler. This is a second book in the Imperial Thrawn trilogy, um, which is the canon Thrawn trilogy, not to be confused with the Legends trilogy. And in this book, there's two parallel stories running one back in the clone wars era with thrawn meeting a anakin skywalker and one in the present day of thrawn working with vader to defeat a um mysterious villain on the edges of known space um and it's sort of set when is it set it's it's around rebels time it's sort of, I think it's between season three and four. So it's after Thrawn has just taken a bit of an L um, on the planet, which I can't remember, that's got the Bendu on it. After the end of that series finale, Vader, um, Thrawn goes to see the Emperor and he's like, oh, you've, you've taken a bit of an L here, um, but, you know, make yourself, make make it up to me. Can you, can you uh, go and sort out this issue that I have? Please take Vader along with you. And Thrawn, being very smart, instantly realises that Vader is Anakin Skywalker that he's met all this time ago. But Vader sort of refuses to admit it, obviously. And he just sees Anakin Skywalker as the, the Jedi and not himself. So go away on this mission. Lots happens. Really cool story. Really, really good. But there's this moment, which I actually think is such a subtle but in- incredibly strong Vader moment where... They are in the unknown regions, which is the the part of space which hasn't been charted with hyperspace lanes. It, there's loads of like nebulas and all that sort of stuff, so it's very difficult to traverse. Um, and as he said, there's no hyperspace lanes, so you can't really jump through hyperspace to travel. So that's why it's the unknown regions. Um, however, the Chiss, Thrawn's race, they have a way around that, which is they have young, force-sensitive children Um who have this ability through the force and they don't call it the force because they're chess. They don't understand it like that, but this ability to sort of like use foresight to predict the path through hyperspace. So they can essentially travel through hyperspace and Thrawn explains this to Vader because they need to head somewhere in hyperspace and basically says like, you should be able to do this because you're so strong in the force. Um, and what, what's really cool about this scene is Thrawn turns around and says some big long chiss word of what they call this ability but how it translates into basic is skywalking so so Thrawn's just like oh yeah skywalking and then he's like that reminds me of my my good friend from the past Anakin Skywalker and sort of looks at Vader and Vader's just sort of like I know nothing of this man (laughs) Um, and then Vader goes to essentially use his power in the force to chart a route through hyperspace um, in the in the, the uh, spaceship that they're in. I think it's the Chimera 
Thrawn's Imperial Star Destroyer. Um, and it's sort of like he sees forward, he sees a meteor, so they need to turn right a little bit. He, see, he looks forward, there's a big nebula, they have to go to the left, he looks forward, he sees this. And he's like, everyone in the ship is just like watching Vader do this with like absolute awe. Like, God, this guy is incredible. And like Thrawn's just there like, yeah, yeah, I know this guy can do this. Uh, it's it's such like a subtle scene, but it just shows Vader's strength in a completely different way. It's not like him lashing out and murdering like hundreds of people at once. It's actually him doing something useful in terms of like the the protagonist of the story who's Thrawn. Um, but he's like essentially just charting a route through hyperspace using nothing but the force. Um, and it's it's just the way it reads on page the way Timothy Zahn writes the whole thing. It's a really, really cool moment for Vader. And it was one of these moments that when I finished that book, I was like, damn, that scene when he uh, when he charted a route through hyperspace using nothing but the force. That was pretty cool. So yeah, that's my uh that's my book moment. I know John, you haven't read this book, but uh, from my description, do you do you think that that's a cool Vader moment? <laughs> yeah, dude, it's such like a like a subtle flex sort of thing as well. It's like that's obviously from what I remember. Uh, it's not really something that Vader has done before. So it's just the fact that he's able to just sit down and just do that straight away. He's like, "Yeah, I got, I got this." That seems like a pretty yeah subtle yeah. flex. I like it. Yeah, and it's it's it's. I think it's it's the fact that it's called skywalking as well. It's like just such a funny touch in the sense that Vader throughout this whole story doesn't refer to Anakin Skywalker as himself. He's just the Jedi. He's so detached from that part of him. But the fact he has to do something called Skywalking to succeed in this mission, I think it's sort of quite ironic for Vader. And I think it's thematically quite a, a strong moment. Mm, no, I agree. Yeah, I, have to, I will have to give that book a read to be fair. So yeah, the, the whole the whole Thrawn trilogy is really, really good. But the, the first one is objectively the best book but i've got a i've got a soft spot for alliances just because of vader and anakin and it. it's a it's a pretty fun read hmm. oh cool shall we uh shall we move on to why don't why don't you take the the, the video game moment that we have why don't know when will you run with that one? Oh yeah um what well, i mean big spoilers big spoilers yeah. <laughs> Big spoilers for Jedi Fallen Order. So if you haven't played it yet, please don't listen to what I'm going to say. Because <laughs> I had it spoiled for me before I played it, and it definitely takes away from it. But just, I, can't, I can't imagine what it'd actually be like experiencing this moment. Yeah, I actually, I actually didn't. I actually didn't have it spoiled for me. I, uh, I sort of kind of knew Vader was in the game at one point, but I hadn't really clocked that it was going to happen when it happens. So for me, mm. I actually didn't have it spoiled and. I was, um, I think I was on party chat to Jack and he was just like, I kind of want to hear your reaction to what's about to happen. And I was like, oh, okay, it's a bit weird. And then I was just like, oh my God. So yeah, John, you, you described the, the moment. All right. So basically to set the scene, you are right at the end of the game, pretty much. Uh, you've just defeated who you thought would be the final boss, uh, one of the Inquisitors. Um Thriller. The one that's thriller, yeah. Um the one that's been a pain in your backside the whole game. I think you, you fought before, but this time was much more difficult, you know, it was the final boss, the the challenge of the challenge of the game. And you you beat her and you think, sweet, all right, that's done. 
I, I can sit back, relax, complete my game. Um, unfortunately, that, that does not happen um, because soon after you defeat her, a little cutscene happens, and in this cutscene, we get the iconic Vader breathing, as I mentioned before, uh, and he just appears, jumps down from a little ledge, uh, and just stabs Trilla in the back. Uh, and then basically you have to run away from Darth Vader because there's no way the game thought that you could actually beat him and there's no way they programmed Vader to be beaten. So you spend the like, another 10 minutes after this just running away from the biggest boss in Star Wars, Darth Vader. Yeah, I think Cal feeling a little bit confident here. He like initially runs at Vader to try and like attack him. And then Vader like catches him in one hand. Cal then tries to throw like a big tank at Vader. Vader then catches the tank in his other hand <laughs> and then just yeets you <laughs> to the other side of the room. And then it's at that point that Cal's like, yeah, I'm running. <laughs> There's no point. Like the whole way through the scene, like there's all these like objects flying around in the sky that Vader's just yeeting at you like one after the other. He's like ripping the whole like building apart as you run. It's ridiculous. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, I remember watching uh, a TikTok a couple months back uh, of someone like live streaming it. It was like a clip from their live stream. And like when Darth Vader appears and like kills Trilla and then like obviously yeah, Cal goes to like fight him and he's like, this guy's just like, where's the health bar? He's like, where's, where's the health bar? <laughs> and he's like, because obviously you don't fight him, you just basically have to run away. So this guy was just like panicking about like what was gonna, he was going to have to do. Uh, it yeah. basically just summed up perfectly like, I think how that's, I think everyone felt. Yeah, I think that's the, the thing that I love about this moment so much because obviously it's in a video game and video games in Star Wars, particularly with canon moments, can be a bit wobbly because it's like, you know, balancing strength and that sort of thing. So as soon as I saw Vader, I was like, no, there's no way you're actually going to fight Vader. That's just not even possible. And then instantly they did exactly what they should do, which is like, no, this is not a fight. This is a run for your life because Cal Kestis is not strong enough in any way to fight him. Um, And I think it's just another one of those moments which asserts Vader's absolute strength and dominance in the dark side and the reason he is who he is. Um, and it's really like a horror scene, isn't it? It's really like <laughs> terrifying. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point you make because, like, obviously, video games. You know, people know like you've paid money to play the game, so you want to play the game and you want to win and do everything like that. You know, you play like I don't know, like a Marvel game, and like you can beat whatever boss they throw at you. Like it could be bloody like Iceman versus Galactus, and you'll still win. Um, but they went specifically. Vader is such a badass that they were like. I don't care how much money you've paid to play this game. You could have bought the Super Deluxe Edition or whatever. You're not winning. <laughs> this is a character you will come up against and all you can do is run away. You're yeah. not going to get a feeling of victory this this time. And I'm pretty sure anytime you run towards him, if like if because obviously it's a video game, you can decide, actually, you know what? I'm going to run at him and swing my lightsaber, see what happens. You don't even get close. <laughs> You're just dead. No. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think, yeah, it's it's an incredible moment, and it's one of, uh, it, I think it is probably the best cutscene in that entire game by a long shot. Just the hearing the breathing, and like him just appearing from the smoke behind Trilla is just like so menacing and terrifying. And if if you're looking for entertainment, just go onto YouTube and get the compilation of 
people reacting to that scene because it's so many people just losing their mind. It's a, it's really an incredible moment. Yeah, it's a great ending actually to the game. I think oh, it definitely cements itself as to really um, give Vader his moment in that multimedia, you know, being video games. Um, yeah. I think that's definitely his moment in that multimedia form. Yeah, it's like you, you spend like 40 hours playing the game as Cal Kestis, but it's like the two minutes of Darth Vader, which steals the entire show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but that's that's Vader's impact. He doesn't need more than five minutes to just completely take over the thing that he's in. <laughs> no, that is very true. Um, yeah, so should we, uh, should we jump to the films? Obviously, these are moments that, uh, that our, our listeners are going to probably know very very well being uh, moments from the original trilogy that everyone's seen hundreds and hundreds of times before but they have to be mentioned because they are still vader's greatest hits um so the first one i'll bring up is from a new hope i think this is quite a subtle little moment but it's something that's stuck in my brain since i was a kid when i first saw this film of like the the, the first moment that i was really scared of Darth Vader and it's the scene where Vader's in the room with all the Imperials and they're talking about the Death Star the Rebels Vader's failure to get the Rebel plans and he's sort of getting mocked by um, there's Admiral Targa and then there's Admiral Motti and they're sort of mocking him and saying that you know the, the, the magic and wizards and all that sort of stuff is no is nothing in comparison to the strength of, you know, the Death Star and all of this. And um, Vader just catches this guy in a force choke. And this is the first time I think we see Vader ever doing a force choke in the whole original trilogy. And he says, I find your lack of faith disturbing. And uh, it's just an epic quote. It's a moment of just absolute scene-stealing dominance from Darth Vader. And it is that moment that sticks in my brain since I was a kid, four or five years old, watching A New Hope for the first time of like, I'm scared of Darth Vader right now. Um, and I just, I think it will always go down in movie history as one of sort of the most terrifying moments in uh, in sort of Star Wars. Yeah, I mean, uh, as you said, it's the first time we get to see Vader um, like show off just exactly what he's what he's about. I mean, yeah. I think it's the first time you get to see the Force actually as well. And yeah, because obviously it's being used... Yeah, the scene previous to this, you know, at the beginning of the film is the introduction to Vader. His presence alone, as we were talking about, the breathing and everything is pretty scary. I want those rebels fine. Uh, um, and I want her alive or whatever when he's trying to get Vader, uh, Leia. So that whole moment is obviously really cool. But this is like the moment, as you said, where you you become scared of Vader. And particularly as a kid, I think probably George Lucas's intention was this was the scene that would scare kids. And I just think it's so effective. Yeah, definitely. I really like the, uh, such a reminded me actually, the, the line uh, a couple of scenes later when Tarkin and uh, Vader are talking about the Death Star and he's like, uh, the power to wipe out a planet is nothing in comparison to the power of the Force or whatever. I, I, yeah. That always sticks in my brain as well. Yeah, uh, exactly. Actually, that's class, that one. And it's just, it's just a, just classic Darth Vader that you know the the dark side is stronger than anything and i think all these examples we've just given you previous to this proves that he's got a point <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean he's not wrong he's not wrong whatsoever uh, do you want to take the next one john 
Um, of course. The next one, I believe, is the uh, fight with Obi Wan, unless I've forgotten something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I think old Ben. Is, yeah, old Ben can Obi, poor fella. Um, this is this is the first lightsaber fight we ever get. I think in Star Wars, is it? It I've, is. Uh, yeah, it is. Um, I mean, of course, it is. It's the the first film, and literally like half an hour into it. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. So the first lightsaber fight we get to see between Vader and Obi Wan, um, and I think just the just the actual like part where Vader like ignites his lightsaber and it's just like the pure red glow. I think is just mm. such an iconic like movie moment. Yeah. Because um, obviously we see Luke's lightsaber or Anakin's lightsaber uh, a couple, you know like 20 minutes before when Luke's like wailing it around like it's a fishing rod. Um, but like watching Vader ignite his red lightsaber and you're like, obviously done for dramatic effect of one's a bad guy, one's a good guy, blue and blue and red. And it's just yeah. a, such an iconic moment that then has shaped, I think it's definitely shaped like just the Sith in general. Like the red, that red lightsaber is just like oh, so yeah. iconic. And like you see a red lightsaber in Star Wars and it's just like, oh, there's Sith. And that is the first time we ever get to see it. And that moment really shaped Star Wars for the next, you know, 40 years. You know, that is, you know, every lightsaber fight, you know, people can, pe- people have their opinions on this fight scene about, you know, whether it's too slow and mechanical and anything like that. My argument is always that the point of this scene is this is Obi-Wan distracting Vader and Vader toying with Obi-Wan and they sort of both beat each other at the game, but ultimately Kenobi wants to die here because he wants, he knows that he'll help Luke more as a force ghost than he will um, as a live sort of old man that he is at the moment. Um, but to me, this is, this is like the standoff. This is like the old samurai film standoff. This is, this is for me, what like sets up the entire future of every lightsaber fight that we've ever got from any star Wars media after this stems from this original idea that George Lucas had of like two glowing laser swords, one red and one blue stood off against each other. And you know, the, the the fact that like a lightsaber duel is more than just swinging. It's the, that game of mental chess that like Kenobi is playing with Vader and Vader is playing with Kenobi. You know, last time we met, um, you were the master, but now, no, was it last time we met? I was but the apprentice, but now I am the master. Like everything in that scene is so like hints to that personal connection that the two of them have that obviously back at the time in the cinema, people didn't know about. I think it's just such an important scene and, you know, it might not be Vader's greatest show of power. It was quite easy for him to kill Obi-Wan because Obi-Wan wanted him to. Um, but in terms of pure iconography of what that scene represented and everything that we've got since then, you just can't, you can't take away from it, can you? No, it's so good. And then obviously you've got that iconic line you just mentioned and it's everything about it is just brilliant. And I know like over the years we've had people uh, remake it on like YouTube as I think I've, we've mentioned like once or twice before but it's just just how it's just perfect the way it is to be honest like it's yeah as you said it's not like the most aggressive show of power ever seen from Vader but like yeah the whole thing just as you said sets up Star Wars and everything to come later on like perfectly yeah, and it was it was George's it was George's imagination in that moment which really has given us four years worth of stories, sort of 
all boiled down to that sort of first ever a lightsaber fight between two sort of old friends. Um, and yeah, just Vader in that moment is tense, it's terrifying. And Luke sees him slaughtering this like sort of new father figure. And yeah, it's uh, it's one of the one of the greatest moments, definitely. Um, so we'll jump we'll jump to Empire Strikes Back here. I mean, there's so many good moments in Empire Strikes Back, so we just tried to narrow it down to two. Um, one of them being the obvious one. But this, this is one that I just I, I really really love, and I think a lot of people do talk about this. Is uh, Vader's systematic choking of all the uh, the Imperial admirals that <laughs> piss him off during the sort of first half of Empire Strikes Back? Um, you are as clumsy as you are stupid, and killing Ad- Admiral um, Ozil and then his promotion of Captain Piet to Admiral Piet because he chokes out Cap- uh, Admiral Ozil right in front of him. He's not even in the same room as him. He's in his meditation chamber. He's talking over hollow, but it, his power of the force is strong enough for him just to force choke him to death. Um, I think it's such a show of power from Vader. It really shows why every single Imperial officer is terrified to be in the same room as him because literally any of them could just get choked out. Um, later on, he kills is it Captain Nida. Um, he gets choked out by him as well. Uh, it, you know, he just systematically wants to kill most of the people surrounding him. And it really sums up this idea that like being stuck on Vader's Star Destroyer with him is really the worst job posting you could ever have because he's got a temper. (laughs) (laughs) It really is not a job you want to uh, fail at. You know, you don't, you don't want to mess up working under Vader because you're, uh, you just kind of get choked out. Basically you better hope your wife at home's got life insurance because all it takes is a, a slip of the finger on the, on the keyboard and that's it. You're wiped out. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I think some of the, I think something that George did so well with writing Vader was he managed to do so much with so little in terms of dialogue in particular. Vader doesn't say a huge amount, but what he says, you know, some people can reflect back on the lines and say they're a bit cheesy. I disagree massively, but like, you know, you're as clumsy as you are stupid. I think it's just such an iconic line. Everyone remembers that line. Everyone remembers just the, the look on Captain um Piet's face as he just like watches his commanding officer get choked out and then he gets promoted I just think the whole thing is just I mean it's one of the reasons why Empire Strikes Back is one of the greatest movies of all time is Vader throughout that entire film is just like rage 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 scary 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 oh by the way I'm your dad and that moment hits so much harder because we've just watched him for two hours just like murder anyone who pisses him off remotely <laughs> Yeah, makes me laugh about that as well. Is obviously he chokes out that that admiral as you're talking about, and then promotes the guy standing like right next to him. But then, obviously, I don't think him at that time is after a promotion. It's like that's the last thing you want is Vader's giving you a promotion. So then, if anyone else makes a mistake on your ship, it's it's up to you. Like that's the last thing you want. You, you want to yeah. be a couple of levels underneath so that it's nothing's really your fault. Like you can just blame someone else. Yeah. And, and it's, you're in charge. So, oh, yeah. No. And is it, isn't it later on when he's like, right, I will speak to Lord Vader myself. Like when they cock up again, when they like lose the Falcon in the asteroid field and you could just see in his face, he's like, oh no, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to let him down again. <laughs> uh, 
he's going to kill me. <laughs> it's so funny, like in some of the books and stuff where you sort of get to spend time with like Imperial officers and just Imperial soldiers who are like in the same room as Vader. There's some brilliant scenes in Lost Stars where like one of the characters is in the same room as Vader when he's like doing all this stuff, like, you know, choking out these these uh, admirals and stuff. And just everyone is just like, as soon as they find out what Star Destroyer they're on, the fact that it's Vader's, they're like, oh no, what have I done to end up here? <laughs> What did I do in my past life to get this posting on Vader's ship? <laughs> so yeah, that is a that's sort of one of the more light-hearted but also terrifying sides of Vader is his uh, his anger getting a lot of people killed. <laughs> yeah, uh, they go through staff, I think, on his ship. <laughs> they do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think what what else happened. What other badass moments do we have in that film that we we're going to talk about? Because there is so many. I think film. I think the the main one that we wanted to talk about is just you know Luke versus Vader at the yeah, end of Empire right. Strikes Back, leading into the the greatest plot that's twist of movie saying. history. Yeah, I mean, it's such a good. I mean, as we were just talking about the lightsaber fight between Obi Wan and uh, Vader, so then I think jump into Empire and then the lightsaber fight between Luke and Vader. There is so much, like there's so much more happening. And it's so. It tells such a compelling story alongside like slightly more action. Yeah, um, yeah. And you can tell the whole fight that Vader is just like teasing Luke. He's just like playing with him the yeah. whole fight. I think um, the the thing that people often forget is Vader's not trying to kill Luke at this point. He's trying to recruit him. Um, his his initial goal is to get him to fall in the carbonite pit so he can freeze him, and then after that, he's just like, right, well, I'm going to recruit him one way or the other. And yeah, as he said, he's toying with Luke and Luke's giving into a little bit of that Skywalker rage occasionally. Yeah. Uh, the, the point in the fight that always uh, sticks out in my mind is um, I think Luke just like starts up like just randomly swinging at Vader. I think it's like a, it's an like an up, down and then back up. And then they, so Luke's like really going for it and Vader's just like one-handed, just like block, block, block. And he's like, oh, you know, come on. And it's just, you can just tell that Vader's literally cakewalking through this fight and Luke is such trying so hard. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's such a significant story moment because Luke in Empire doesn't complete his training with Yoda. He's not ready to face Vader. Yoda tells him he's not ready. Obi-Wan even tells him he's not ready. But he goes anyway because Luke's impulsive. He cares more about his friends than he does about being a Jedi in this moment and all that sort of stuff. And because he's not ready, he, he loses a hand. <laughs> Yeah, you get punished. <laughs> it's because doesn't he like? Um, well, basically, he like clips Vader's shoulder, doesn't he? With his lightsaber, and I think that's when the Vader's just like, you know what? That's it. I'm yeah. done. That hand <laughs> done and that lightsaber has got to go. That hand is coming off, and you were sitting there and you were listening to me. <laughs> like, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not messing around anymore. I just I think there's so many iconic moments in it. Obviously, you've got the carbonite freezing room with that iconic shot of like the lightsabers lighting in the mist with the two of them stood and that whole shot is just absolutely beautiful you've got the moment before they go onto the platform of like vader just lobbing stuff at luke and luke just like not even being able to bat it away he's just like getting like loads of boxes and stuff thrown at him and then obviously there's your, your grand finale on the on the walkway when vader's like right i've had enough hand off it's time Obi Wan never told you about your father. He told me you killed him. <laughs> no. Uh, and such uh, a great line. I think 
this is one of the things that like, I discuss quite a lot with people is like some people fairly say that once you know the Vader twist, it doesn't quite hit the same. And majority of people in the world now know that Vader is Luke's father. But every time I watch Empire Strikes Back, it does not matter the fact that I know every single thing about the the relationship and the story. That moment still hits me every single time. It's it's James Earl Jones's delivery. It's Mark Hamill's reaction. The no, <laughs> that's impossible. <laughs> Just everything about that moment, the the Imperial March music kicking in when he hears it. It's just one of the most powerful <clears throat> moments in like movie history, and I would do anything to be able to have my mind wipe, travel back in time to that year, and experience it in the cinema because I just couldn't possibly imagine what that reaction <laughs> would have been like. Yeah, no, I mean, even, I mean, thank God back then they didn't have social media; otherwise, that would have been everything spoiled. <laughs> yeah, someone someone would have come out the midnight release and tweeted, "Lol, Luke's dad is Vader." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure I had friends when uh, when the Force Awakens came out, and they were like straight on Twitter, like hand eyes, and I was like, oh, "Okay, oh yeah, so, yeah, yeah, loads of people did that." Yeah, <laughs> couldn't imagine what it'd been like back then with that plot twist. Yeah, and I just. I think it really does stand the test of time. I look forward to one day having kids of my own that I can show that moment and watch the look on their faces when they're like, no way, that can't be true. Um, yeah, it's it's one, it is, in my opinion, regardless of how awesome all these moments we talk about, this for me is Vader's greatest hit. I think this is the moment that I think about every time I think of Darth Vader is that him with his hand stretched out um, saying, no, I am your father. And just, oh, it's too good. It's too good. What do we do to deserve a moment like that? <laughs> I know. Thank you, George. Thank you, George. And uh, should we should we wrap this up with our with our last moment, um, which is uh, from Return of the Jedi, Luke versus Vader in the throne room, and Darth Vader killing uh, Emperor Sheev Palps uh, to uh, to bring balance to the to the Force. I mean, what an unbelievable fight again i mean i think this is uh, i think i said this this is the first time we get to see a uh a classic lightsaber throw from vader as well yeah like, it's the first time we get to see it where he, he eats his lightsaber at luke and then comes returning back to him i mean the more you think about that that is actually some huge force skills there to be able to throw <laughs> such a delicate object and then yeah force boomerang have it, come, have it come back and not slice you in half because it's facing the wrong way um so good and then just i mean the the emotional toil in that final scene uh between you know luke vader the emperor empire um, emperor uh it's just oh i mean the the vader coming back as anakin um in his final moment in his final moment yeeting old sheave over the balcony to his death um and then the whole, uh, you know, Luke, take my mask off so I can see you in my eyes. Oh, oh. It's just one of the best Vader moments in all of my media. Yeah. It's so good. And I think I think the, the whole fight is, is, is so significant because I think, I mean, this, I can't remember whether this was the answer I gave when we talked about lightsaber jewels, but this is definitely up there for me of the best lightsaber jewels in Star Wars because 
there's so much story there's so much emotion this it goes from like you know the emperor wanting luke to give into his anger luke basically giving into his anger like you know igniting his lightsaber vader stopping him with that epic sort of cross across palpatine's laughing face and then the whole the, the, the fight and then luke sort of saying you know i don't really want to fight you um and then like Vader threatening his sister and then Luke going absolutely ballistic and like beating Vader nearly to death. And then in that moment, gaining his control back and saying, um, you know, laying down his weapon, I'm a Jedi, like my father before me. And that moment, obviously incredible. We love it. But then it's just Vader's reaction to seeing Luke getting fried by the Emperor and finally that Anakin coming back and saying no. That's my son right there, you shrivelly old testicle-looking emperor. <laughs> you're getting you're getting yeeted <laughs> to your death. <laughs> yeah, I think as well as like we get to see such a different side of Vader like after Luke's finished wailing on him, and he's kind of just laying there, you know, hands gone, wheezing. Um, like you, with the addition of like the prequels and like all the other multimedia that we get. You know, Vader becomes one of the most, he's obviously one of the most, you know, intimidating and scariest villains in pop culture. So also alongside that being one of the, like, the most tragic. I yeah. think yeah. that scene is obviously where we get to see, like, the, that, the, that for the first time where he's obviously... It's that, you know, it's that ultimate moment of tragedy, isn't it? It's, yeah. Yeah. And just how, like, crippled and, like, half of a man, like, he actually has become because of you know, being Darth Vader. Uh, I think uh, yeah. showing that is so is really a lot deeper. And I think a lot of people obviously realise that when they've watched it for the first time. And it's it's that moment of like, when you've gone through those trilogy of films, like really disliking Vader. Obviously we love Vader as a great villain, but really disliking him as a character, you know, he's evil. He's chopped off Luke, Luke's hands, sold off Han Solo, tortured Leia. He's done all this stuff to our favorite characters. And then that weird internal dialogue you have for yourself when you suddenly have sympathy for this nasty, evil man in his final moments. Um, and then cheering for him like a few min- minutes later when he defeats the emperor and then, you know, crying for him when he's sort of dying and looking upon his son i just think it's after everything you've gone through that trilogy the fact that you're able to feel all those emotions to vader like a literal like machine of death i think is just one of the most powerful things about the whole the whole trilogy and the whole of star wars in general yeah definitely so that's I always say with this when it comes to Star Wars, like as much as it's a film or show or book or comic about like laser swords and space wizards and you know all that jazz, at the end of the day is all just about like how what emotion what emotion can uh, you know George Lucas, Dave Filoni, or whoever get from us uh, through that multimedia, uh, and I think that scene through you know Luke and through Vader is definitely like. It's the emotional hotspot right there. So it's oh, definitely one of Vader's greatest hits. It's if yeah. you don't have that in one of your top Vader moments, what are you playing at? And one one of the one of the points I, I love to discuss about this is the the often like in the real world, if someone has spent his entire entire life like murdering children, uh, thousands and thousands of people, and overseeing planets being destroyed, does one single act. <laughs> 
of heroism and <laughs> love at the end of their life redeem their character in the real world obviously not no absolutely not however however in just the way that it's written and the mythology of star wars and the the fantasy aspect of it like vader anakin is redeemed at the end of his life whether and i think what's really interesting is in some of the books like leia in particular really reflects on like she still doesn't see vader as her father because she doesn't see this redemption that Luke sees. And you can understand that, like, you know, he, he never really earned it in her eyes, but it was enough in Luke's eyes and in the grand fantasy of Star Wars as us as audience is like, that's that's Vader's moment of redemption. Um, and that's Anakin's moment to like come back to the light and obviously gets his force ghost at the end. And we get to see Hayden Christensen in the weird special edition <laughs> of the film. <laughs> but I do always think it's an interesting conversation to have of like in the real world, Vader does not get let off the hook. <laughs> by that one yeah. single act but it oh, works so well within cool. the within the context of the film that that we allow yeah. it <laughs> yeah i always remember when that special edition came out as well and Hayden christensen got his time as a force ghost and people were always like well then that he hasn't come back as anakin at the end if or like can you choose what you look like as a force ghost because why isn't everyone looking like ewan mcgregor if you can just like make yourself like 30 years younger <laughs> yeah i was gonna say like surely if you're obi-wan you're thinking damn i look good with a beard back in the clone wars like that's what i want to look like as a force ghost <laughs> yeah, a questionable choice there creation choice but it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's star wars so we just we let it it's pass <laughs> yeah it's great we, we love hayden so yeah those are those are our picks for for darth vader's greatest hits um I'm sure there's still more that we've missed. I mean, there's, you know, some moments from the TV shows that we didn't even quite get time to to touch on. Um, so so if, uh, as I said at the beginning, if anyone's got any Star Wars Vader great moments that we've missed, uh, you know, let us know. We're on Instagram, at Live from Vader's Castle. We're on Twitter, at Vader's Castle Pod. Quite happy to uh, keep the discussion going. But um, that's been mine and John's picks for uh, some of Darth Vader's absolute greatest hits and i think maybe some down sometime down the line we could do this for some other characters luke skywalker comes to mind obi-wan kenobi so uh, if you'd like to see that let us know and we can uh maybe next time one of us goes on holiday and we need to pre-record an episode <laughs> this is what we'll do yeah <laughs> yeah this could be our pre-recorded uh ideas yeah so um we shall be back next week sounds weird saying that because it'll be a while for us but for the few it'll be next week with two episodes of Bad Batch to review uh, the one that came out yesterday and the one that will come out next week so uh, you've got that to look forward to and then we'll also have our uh, book review for Into the Dark coming up soon as well so there's stuff to look forward to yeah exciting podcast coming up so keep listening please yeah that was, a, that was a fun discussion, John. Did you enjoy that? I did, actually, yeah. I mean, as I said at the beginning, like, it's nice to discuss these things instead of just reading them and being like, holy cow, <laughs> uh, in your room by yourself. And you, you could easily sit and talk about Darth Vader for 20 hours, let alone one. So uh... Yeah, I mean, I feel like I've definitely bored some people to death with some discussions I've had about Darth Vader. So <laughs> that, that, was, that was enjoyable at that, that time. Yes, the, the the one time though, if people listen to this, they won't be bored. <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> well, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully. Let us know if you are bored. <laughs>
Right, well that's uh, that's been episode twelve of uh of Life from Vader's Castle. And uh thank you very much for listening. Thanks for bearing with us with our uh, little pre recorded episodes. But uh I'm uh, as you're listening to this, I'm currently in in England with with my chums and uh <laughs> I'm sure me and John will probably when we're having a pint we'll probably just be talking about more Darth Vader anyway. So <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure we'll somehow be able to talk about it for more <laughs> for more time, a longer length of time. Yeah, <laughs> all be debating how good Last Jedi is with Joe, and our other friend, which uh, probably will go on for hours and hours as well. But that's that's what happens when you're a Star Wars fan. Hours <laughs> of fun, right? Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next week. Yeah, see you next week. Thank you. Bye.